Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as mm-hmm. soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online, and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough, and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then, and you're re- Reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? I got an interesting email this week. And it said, Carol, I heard you have an online course. Can you tell me more about it? Well, you all know that I have Help Her Heal, right? And Help Her Heal is an empathy workbook for sex addicts to help their partners heal. And one of the things that I knew was that it was going to be tough for some men to read the workbook, even though it's not that intense and it's not overly intellectual. There are just people that don't like to read. And so, as a result, I decided I'd put together an online course, and I am thrilled, absolutely thrilled to have it out as of this week. How can you get it? Well, you can go to www.sexhelpwithcarolthecoach. Now, some of you may know that website in that if you ever go to sexhelp.com, that is Patrick Carnes's. Um, website. I mean, it does not identify him directly, but that is his organization's website to help get you to the right place. And so one of the things that I knew is that I wanted to be affiliated with that in some way. So I decided to put www.sexhelp with Carol the Coach. And that website has a lot of information Um, It has all my YouTubes. It has many of my podcasts. You you both know, I mean, you all know that I do um, two podcasts, one for Betrayal Recovery Radio, and then the other one is obviously the one you're listening to tonight, Sex Health with Carol the Coach. Well, 
if you go to the products page and underneath the book, Help Her Heal, there will be in red, and I'm not happy with this yet, but we'll get it together. There will be this link that says Carol's Online Course. And it will take you to um, an online course to buy. Now, it's $249. Um, and if you get the course before November 24th, you'll get it for $199. Now, let me tell you a little bit about what it is. It has a PowerPoint presentation for each chapter. And then it has me explaining each chapter via PowerPoint. And then you see me because I, I videotaped myself on Zoom. And it has an introduction from me and it has some extra audio and video clips. I did the gifts of a sex addict. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. It gives you the criteria for what constitutes a sex addict. I also have a 25-minute 25 um, 25-minute podcast with Patrick Carnes. Not the best um, audio, but very interesting. And actually, I saw Patrick um, last week. I was presenting on Wednesday and Friday at SASH, which is the Society for the Advancement of Sexual Health. And Patrick Carnes was actually presenting in between me. You know, I did Wednesday, he did Thursday, I did Friday. Um, also the president of APSATS, which you know I highly recommend for partner-sensitive trauma treatment. She was the other keynote. So we had Patrick and Barbara Steffens being the keynotes, and I was, I was the breakout sessions and the pre-conference. And I got to tell you, I was super excited because, of course, I saw Patrick, got a picture of him, and told him that I was putting his podcast on my online course. And he goes, will you please send that to me? I'd like to hear that again. And I said, well, I would be honored to do that. And so he gave me his card. And, you know, they kind of protect presidents, like President Trump, President um, Obama, you know, they protect those people. Nobody will give you their personal information. And so he gave me his card. Now I've got his personal uh, cell phone and, I feel very fortunate, and his uh, email address. So I can contact him anytime. You guys want me to ask him something? I would just send it on to him. But anyway, this course I think is pretty incredible. I mean, I know it's it was all me. I mean, I made the whole thing. I spent hours, I'd say over 300 hours putting this course together. Now, that's not how many hours you get to look at. But um, you probably get to look at, mm, I would say, at least eight hours of material. I have blogs in there about sex addiction and about partner trauma Um and those are blogs that I've written that you probably haven't seen. And then I have inspirational blogs, things that I think could take you to the next level once you learn this stuff. Really, really impressed with the content. 
So I hope you'll go to my website and get the course, sit down and, and watch it and go through it, and then maybe have your wife sit down and watch it with you, or maybe she wants to watch it without you. Once you buy it, it is yours for the keeping. Um, I think you have to go back to the same site to watch it. It's on teachable.com. But, again, this should take you right to that um, place where you can get this information and hear me talk about it and actually see me. And, you know, I, I taught at a university for many, many years. I teach for APSAT. My favorite thing to do is talk and teach. So I really feel blessed to be able to do that. And actually, right now, I am creating um, an online course for partners. And it's on post-traumatic growth. I really believe that we have to help partners not only find the safety and stabilization that they need, but we also really need to help them to grieve and mourn what they had, what they thought they had, what they wished they had, and then we got to help them restore themselves. So I am excited about that too. And um, I've got to apologize for what happened last week, although it wasn't my fault. Probably once every three years, something goes wrong at Blog Talk. You know, I, I can remember a time that I called in and it was just busy. <laughs> That's unacceptable. I was calling into my own studio and it was busy and I couldn't get through. And last uh, last week I was going to feature Chris Countryman. He's a, a renowned Midwestern therapist and um, really knows this program. And I couldn't even get on. So I had people contacting me going, hey, your show was only a minute long. And I'm like, well, it wasn't even a minute because I couldn't get on. So there was not an intro. There wasn't me saying hello. There was nothing. And when I contacted them, and by the way, it took three days for them to get back to me, they said the engineers had fixed everything and it would be ready to go again. So I have no idea what happened. And you know me, I am like super dependable. I want to be with you every Monday night. I want to be with you for Betrayal Recovery Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So it was heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking when I couldn't get on. And, of course, I hate to waste a guest's time. So we're going to have to get Chris Countryman back on, on the line. Um, but he won't be on tonight. What I'm hoping, and we'll see what happens, I've got a guy calling in from Guatemala. And he has written a book called Shining with Bravery. It is really good. It's on transformation after recovery. And so one of the things that I know is that when you book people, uh, you're never quite sure how thick, the, uh, the accent will be, you're never quite sure if they'll be able to get on. It's just the way it is. So I'm hoping, we weren't even quite sure that the time would be the same. I told him, I actually said, why don't you try calling me at 8, and then 
I had Apple on the other line. So I sent him a text and said, hey, is it 8 o'clock there? Call me back in an hour. Make sure you call the number on the instructions. <laughs> so I'm hoping he sure gets that because it is 9-12, and he should be on in just a couple of minutes. And, you know, okay, and he's saying a machine answered for the number that was called. So let me see what I can do about giving him the number while I'm talking to you. I feel like, you know, the one thing that you don't want to do, you don't want to multitask, right? When you're on the air, it just doesn't work. So I'm going to write down this number. I am going to tell you a little bit about what I talked about last week while I was in St. Louis. Super fun. Um, I talked about how motivated you all are in getting healthy. And what I know to be true is that clearly one of the things that really makes a difference is in your willingness to do whatever it takes to, um, to be able to do the hard work to get really, really um, motivated and to walk the talk, you know. And, and that is so important because one of the things that I know is that it's really something. Yeah, he had the wrong number. Oh, good. Hold on a second. I'm going to give him the right number. Um, I'm going to make sure we got this going on. 3284. 3284. Okay, we got it. We got it. Okay, let me just try this. So sorry about this. Three, two, one, two. He says, but a machine answered. So let me try this one more time. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play a little bit of a commercial. Oh, there he is. Oh, fantastic. He was able to figure it out. So it takes a lot of ingenuity to make a phone call work. Is this one? No, it's uh, someone else. I just came up. Across your show. Oh, you did. Well, I am so happy to have you, but hang tight because i got to put you on hold because really what I've got to do more than anything is get one on the line. So I'm going to play a little commercial, and when we come back, hopefully we'll have him on the line. All right. Here we go. Well, I can see that. Here we go. I can see that he's having trouble. And uh, what I want to make sure to do is really be able to. M6461. You're listening to Carol the Coach, and I am. So happy to have you. Um, I am going to go ahead and give him a call. So here we go. Uh, I'll have to get his phone number, actually. I don't, I don't know that I can make that happen. Um, okay. Okay. 
going to have him try it again. I hope he's able to. Okay, I think we got him. Excellent. Let's see if this is one. Hey, Juan, is Hi. that you? Oh, hey, how you doing? <laughs> I am very good. I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. That's the number to always call in. But, boy, I'm pleased as punch to be able to talk to you because you've been waiting a long time to talk to me about your new book, haven't you? Yeah. Thank you for, for having me and giving me the chance. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love this new book, and i got to tell you why. It really talks about transformation. Um, talk a little bit about yeah. what made you write Shining with Bravery. Well, um, I think I needed to, to talk about my story and um, something that I learned through this path that I've walked through is that definitely it can be, uh, there are some parts that are really hard in life, but um, something that I learned that is very important for me is that um, no matter what happens, the the story is never till it's over. And as soon as you realize that you can change or decide to, to become somebody different, or to stop doing whatever you were doing and, and try something new. It's like writing writing a book. It's like writing a book and, and writing a new chapter. Well, I know. And, you know, you definitely talked about the fact that you grew up in an unusual situation. I mean, being part of a Guatemalan family like yours meant that you had certain hardships that you had to face. Tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up in a family like yours. Well, I can, I cannot really, I cannot complain that it was hard in some parts of it because I was the firstborn, and we, and I have three sisters and one brother after me, and my parents expected me to be like the one in charge of showing them how to be a good person. And um, for a long time, I thought I failed at, and for different reasons, they made me feel like I did, and and, um, that was the hard part. But, you know, like I said, it it was not the end of the story. Um, Even though they were hard on me, now I know that their parents were hard on them too. And that's the way they learned how to bring me up, you know. And, um, but um, I think I made peace with it. And now I know that I'm, I'm living my life with uh, most of the things my parents taught me. And this includes the things I didn't like about that, you know. Well, and I know you started off by using drugs, and what made you stop using? Well, the thing is that I, I 
I wasn't aware, and like 35 years ago in Guatemala, um, people were not like familiar to going to therapy, and so I never did. And when I started um, studying psychology, I, I, <laughs> when I read about ADHD. Everything made sense made sense to me because uh, then I knew that there was nothing wrong with me. It was that my I was a, I I grew up being ADHD and my parents didn't know about it. So the, the easiest thing or or the what they did is they started calling me names. And as I told you, I was expected to be the role model for my sisters and brother. And I thought I, I, I felt like I, I failed on that. So, also, when I was eight years old, I was sexually abused, and um, it was really hard. That part of my life was really, really hard. And um, I started losing myself, uh, trying to be someone like what everybody expected me to be, but at the same time, I was feeling like I was failing. So the first thing that I started using was cigarettes. And um, for some reason, that made me feel important. And then I started meeting with some other guys that had the same story that I had uh, or the same kind of families that I had. And that's when drugs came into my life. And um, I know now also that it was really hard. Being sexually abused um, leaves a big um, scar in your life. And um, that was probably the, the thing that helped me go through mm-hmm. that painful mm-hmm. moment in my life. But uh, at the same time, the, the one thing that helped me go through that became the problem. So I started using when I was like nine or 10 years old. And um, I stopped 31. And by that time, I was working in a hospital with children. And um, this were children that had accidents and they had to go to rehab, physical re- rehabilitation, or they were born with some neurological um, illness and, and they had to have um, rehab. And um, for some reason, I was really close to these kids and um, I, I started noticing how hard they were fighting in their life to, to you know, come out of that hard place. And I was destroying myself. Um, I, by that time, I was using really heavily cocaine and, and crack. And um, my soul was so aching. And um, but I was really... Uh, I had a really good friend who was a doctor, and he knew I was using, and um, he always talked to me and, and tried to give me advice, 
And one day he gave me this article on a rehab center down here in Guatemala. And uh, I don't know. I, I It was really unbearable, my life at that moment. So um, I started going to NA meetings, and I couldn't stop using. And um, so I talked to my parents, and I told them that um, what was going on. They knew about it but they didn't know what to do. So I went to rehab, and um, that's when it all started. What really stopped me, uh, I think it was, it was that moment when I felt so lonely, and um, I knew if I could use him, I wouldn't fix, I wouldn't fix anything, and if I stopped using it, I was I was afraid I was going to die, but um, I had nothing left to lose. I mean, yeah. I sold everything I had, and um, that was it. I think. Okay, now I've got a couple questions for you because you said twice that you feel like you left your let your family down by, you know, having the different difficulties that you did, the ADHD, and certainly having used drugs and. But I believe that those things helped you to write this book. And I want to talk a little bit about this book because you have a main message that you want readers to understand. So would you do us a favor and talk about the six chapters, the way you divide your book, and what you would like to get across in writing this book? Sure. Right. So like I was saying, um, after I started my rehab process, um, something something happened. I started looking at myself in a different way, and um, going to NA meetings taught me that there were some other guys that, just like me, uh, were drug users and and they were living clean. And they had jobs and relations and, and dreams. I mean, I had no dreams whatsoever. So the the book is divided in six chapters. And the first one is um, tells a little bit about my story and what I went, where I come from, and how that influenced the way I was looking at myself. And I was so very lucky uh, to go into therapy with a logotherapist, uh, a person who works with um, Victor Frankl's psychotherapy. And um, mm-hmm. she, she really um, gave me a new perspective. And she was the one that told me that my story wasn't over until it was over and um, that I could change if I wanted to. So a funny thing happened as I went through my, my therapy, I started not using and like, for example, I started doing exercises and, and because of this ADHD, I, I kept forgetting things and I was being so mean to myself. And one day I, I went to therapy and, my, and I, well, I went to the gym and when I went to the gym, I noticed that I forgot my clothes on my on my house. And I was like, 
really mad at myself, and I went back home to get my clothes. And when I went home, I noticed that I left the keys from my house inside the locker in the gym. <laughs> so I was really mad at myself. And when I went to therapy with um, gym clothes, uh, my therapist noticed I was really angry, and she said, "Why are you so mad?" I was like, "So I'm so stupid." I think I and I explained her what happened, and she goes like, "Oh my God, you're so um, what's the word like? You cannot make mistakes. Why are you so special? You cannot make mistakes." And I was like, "Yeah, she's right." And then um, studying and start I'm starting changing the way I I saw the world and I saw myself and I became, um, I, I started reading a lot of um, stuff as I studied and then um, I realized some of the, re- uh, the people I was reading had a lot to do with what I was starting to believe, like um, Rogers, Carl Rogers. I loved reading him. I loved reading Irvin Jalam. So I said, hmm, these guys uh, support what I'm thinking, so I should write something. And um, that's when I came with the idea. So the book is divided in, in six chapters uh, where we talk about self-esteem. And I divide the work of self-esteem in six parts. The first one is going to be self-concept and what the, the, the funny thing about self-concept is that I, all, I, I this is something I do with some uh, workshops that I work with some people here in Guatemala and I always ask them are you really who you think you are or are you the person everybody else has told you you are and um, everybody says oh I'm, I'm who I think I am. Okay, let's verify that. What do you what do you call yourself when you're mad at yourself? And they start writing mean things about themselves. Where did you listen to that? And and then from this I got to self evaluation. And and I noticed how this was affecting my hood and I was always failing because I was um, evaluating myself the way my parents did. So I had to change that. In order to do that, I had to, um, you know, make the difference between making mistakes and being a stupid uh, person, for example. I'm not stupid. I can make mistakes, but that doesn't make me stupid. Or... Yeah, basically that. And, and so we talk about self-concept, self-evaluation, and then when I get um, more human self-evaluation, I can I can go to self-acceptance. I it's easier, for example, for me when I I can give the name to the flaw that I want to change. It's easier for me to change it than to punish myself because of that. Like lies, for example. I was um, a really big liar, and um, when I accepted that I had problems with truth, it was easier for me 
to to change it and becoming more uh, reliable person. Uh, this was this goes to also with feelings like um, I don't know in 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 United States, but in here in Guatemala, uh, macho culture, <laughs> they teach us that men should not cry, for example. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what happened? What happened to me is that. Imagine all the pain that I was feeling, all the confusion, all the shame, um, the hurt that I was going through because of the sexual abuse. I just knew I had to be strong and not feel anything. And that really, I think that was going hand by hand with um, the fact that I was using drugs because I didn't allow myself to to express what I was feeling, you know. I never tell anybody how sad I felt because my parents thought I was a mess. And it was till I started um, working on this that I noticed that I put labels on my feelings, like positive and negative. And when I think about feelings, I can imagine, and I always joke about this and I said do you really think God when he created us he says no I'm not going to give this guy this feeling because this is bad no he gives us the whole package and um, everything that we have is there to teach us something so accepting this like accepting that I'm sad sometimes um, has helped me a lot to seek help, to be able to tell somebody I need a hug, or if I'm angry, I become responsible for for whatever I'm feeling, and I can be able to tell somebody, you know, I'm, I'm mad right now. Um, it has nothing to do with you. Let me mm-hmm. make peace with this, so I won't tell you anything that I will regret later. <laughs> And that's taking well, responsibility. Huh? I got to read your book. I got to read your book. And one of the things that I really noticed about it, it did have a Viktor Frankl kind of feel. I could feel the therapist that you worked with because it's all about inventing oneself and creating the meaning that you want to have in your life. You know, Dr. Viktor Frankl said, those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. And, you know, yes. we want our sex addicts to know that if they've got a purpose and if they're working hard on their recovery, well, then they'll be able to achieve and accomplish anything they put their minds to with the right support. And, and it sounds like you started to get some of the right support. Yeah. I started surrounding myself with different people, and um, mm-hmm. that's what I go to the self-respect part in my book, where I had nothing to do with people who was um, doing drugs, people who was um, still going to parties. I mean, I still, from time to time, go to parties with, with people who don't use drugs, but um, doing the things that I needed to do to be okay, you know, and I'll always have it in mind that if, especially now in my work, when I have patients, um, 
it's it's amazing how it all makes sense. I mean, I cannot change whatever happened, but I can relate to the 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 people that I'm working with because I know what it feels like. So I know now my life has a purpose. My story has a purpose, even though it wasn't. I mean, it is what it is, and and it's my freedom to choose if I want to look at it as um, as, as a teacher or if I want to look at it as a ghost who's haunting me. Mm-hmm. Well, and so obviously you wrote this book to inspire and educate people and to, and to give them the motivation to know that they too can make their life happen. Um, are you writing anything right now? Are you are you working on another book? Yeah. Um, actually, I'm I'm working with a friend. She's um, she specializes in trauma, and uh, I'm I'm studying in the United States. I'm becoming to be a suicide, which is something that every every time I said it, I'm like. Wow, is this really happening? <laughs> and mm-hmm. and I want to start writing about sexual addiction because oh, very uh, actually the reason I started studying this is because most of the people I work with that are having drug problems are also having um, a sexual dependence. So and nobody knows anything. I mean, there's a lot of uh, young, really young guys uh, and girls uh, hooked on pornography, and there's got to be something doing done by that. Well, one hundred percent, and you know, I'm... Patrick Carnes teaches us, um, Juan, that when one addiction gets better, you'll have another one yeah. that gets worse. And yeah. so, for so many yeah. drug and alcohol addicts. That, you know, they get that under control, and then they really light up the brain with dopamine by looking at sex or by acting out, experimenting, things like that. So you don't have sexual addiction in your background? I did, but uh, it, was, uh, it was on while well, I was using drugs. After yeah, I... I a funny thing happened after I stopped using. Like three months later, after I used, I, I stopped using. I met somebody that I felt totally in love with, and um, we became really good friends. You know, and Dr. Karn says that. Uh, one of the biggest problems of sex addiction is intimacy. So this this uh, person I met, I could mm-hmm. be, I could have intimacy. So I didn't act out after I used I used, and I'm still to, um, after 15 years we're still together, and um, I'm working on my program and. I, I know that I, I my, my sexual addiction was active while I was using drugs. 
Well, okay, so now tell us a little bit about the book that you're writing next. Well, it, it, um, I think it's going to be a lot uh, very educational for for um, I wanted to, I want to write it the same way I wrote this um, easy an easy way to read with not like big words but understandable and kind of also sharing a little bit of my life and um, using a lot of the the stuff that I'm learning with um with um ITAP. And I want also with this friend that I was telling you about, we want to um work together how trauma is um a huge issue that people have to work to get better on addictions. Any kind of addiction. Well, I absolutely agree with you, and I want to remind everybody that I am talking to the author of an incredible book, Shining with Bravery. Thank you. And Thank you. Yes, absolutely. And I am speaking with Juan Carlos, and he is from Guatemala. His email, if you would want to find out how to get the book, is J-U-A-N-K. Is that Jank? I'm sorry? Tell us how you say your email. J-U-A-N-K. J-U-A-N-K dot R-O-Q-U-E at gmail.com. Right. So I want you to pronounce that for me. Is that Jank? Juanca. <laughs> okay, I'm glad I didn't try that yeah. then. So again, if yeah. you want to email him, that's J-U-A-N-K period R-O-Q-U-E at gmail.com. And where can they get your book, Shining with Bravery? It's going to be available, I think, in a week or two on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And um, I really hope you... you can relate with my story and um, it really helps you. The, the purpose of this uh, is to really, you know, I have this project that I have with a priest friend of mine and he's, he's a really, um, really educated priest. And once he told me that he was having, he was being visited by a lot of people who who believed they had some um, spiritual problems, but he could say they were not spiritual problems; they were um, psychological problems. And and he asked me if I could do something, and for some reason I got caught in the middle of meeting a lot of people that were able to help me. Um, and five years ago, we opened up this clinic in in this like cathedral in Guatemala, where mm-hmm. we give the the psychological service to people who cannot afford it. And I got to work 
with uh, one of the universities in Guatemala, and I supervise a future psychologist. So we, we and, and I taught these guys how to use this book to improve their patient's life, and, and I'm, I'm having really um, cool uh, results about the people that are working this, um, the, the way they are looking at themselves, the way, and when they look at themselves differently, they are having better relations, and uh, I'm really happy about that. <laughs> I bet you are. Well, you have done a lot, and I look forward to seeing what else you're writing. Um, I want to know, what would you leave our listening audience with? What kind of inspiration would you leave them with that's both inspiring and instructional? Mm, The most important is that no no matter how hard or difficult Life has been, or life is being right now. Um, mm-hmm. I still have the freedom to decide what my attitude is going to be towards that, and um, that is what logotherapy is all about. I mean, the spiritual part opposes the psychosomatic parts. And that's where our courage, our faith, our everything that is going to, everything we're going to need is in that part. Because, for example, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I am an addict in recovery. I still sometimes have desire uh, to use I still sometimes, my body still sometimes uh, feels the need, but my spirit opposes that. So we are not determined by or by our history. We are not determined by anything. We have the right and the freedom to choose responsibility responsible. Oh, I absolutely believe that. And I love that. That's the second time you've made the reference where you say we really are accountable for our own behaviors and we're responsible for that. So Juan, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. And you can get that on Amazon. Again, the name of the book is Shining with Bravery. And the author is obviously Juan Carlos, and you can reach him at J-U-A-N-K dot R-O-Q-U-E at gmail.com. I wish you the best, Juan. Thank you, Carol. It was great um, talking with you, and God bless everybody. God bless you, too. All right, that is Juan. Bye-bye. And he obviously calling all the way from Guatemala, and um, putting a lot of effort. You know, interestingly enough, Guatemala is Central Standard Time, just like Chicago. So I think that's interesting that 
you know, sometimes, like, when I talk to my friends in the UK, they're five or six hours away, but one is only a one-hour difference. Hey, so, again, I so appreciate you um, putting up with that little bit of difficulty he was having. I think he just dialed the wrong number. It can get confusing when you're dialing different numbers um, from different states. And um, again, last week, we're going to have to get Chris Countryman on. Um, I, I want to tell you that I am so honored to be working with all of you and conversing. You know, I'm sorry I couldn't speak with that man. i got to tell you the issue there. And I'm sure this man was just going to say, hey, I ran into your program. You know, people all over the world will just Google sex addiction or partner betrayal, and they end up in all of our podcasts. And so it's always hard since I don't have a screener to know who's serious and who isn't. And I I hated to cut him off, but I've been known to give people a chance, and then they prank me, and I don't want to be pranked. Um, When I worked on real radio, we had a screener. We had a caller ID. You know, we were able to really identify um, who was calling us and what the topics were before we even talked to them. I wish we had sex addiction on normal radio. That's my wish because I know that just in the same way that we talk about other types of addiction, there shouldn't be a stigma when it comes to sex addiction and partner betrayal. All right. Well, that's it for tonight. I'm still on a little bit of a high getting to hang out with Patrick Carnes and his daughter, Stephanie. I I absolutely insisted that she and I do a workshop here in Indianapolis next next spring, and she, um, she absolutely said she would love to. So I'll keep you posted on that. And as I say at the end of every show, you know, there'll only be one of you at all times. Seriously, have the courage to be yourself. You make it a great week. And remember, it's all about holding yourself accountable and having those great accountability buddies. We'll talk to you next week on Sex Help with Carol, the coach.